Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Always good to be with you and knowing that Chabas is coming. Yeah, it's always a good feeling, huh? Um, you know, I mean, look, you, you, you've recommended that we limit the amount of publicity we give certain government officials, and I get that. But sometimes when they make outrageous statements, and some people in our community you know, consider whether, in fact, what they're saying is correct, I feel it's important to bring it up. In this case, of course, a Democrat from Michigan, Rashida Tlaib, and her, oh, and her comments on Israel and the Holocaust. Uh, unfortunately, many Democrats ran to her defense, including, and we have the quotes in front of us, but I don't know if we need to go into them, uh, including House Speaker Pelosi, including House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, including Representative uh, Earl uh, Blumenauer, uh, Representative Veronica Escobar, Senator Bernie Sanders, and others. Some of these names, I'm sure, don't surprise you, but some of them, I think, do. You know a lot of these people, and you I, I would bet in the case of one or two of them, you're a little bit surprised that they backed her the way they did. Am I right? <clears throat> Sorry, just trying to swallow. No problem. Um, you're more than right. It, um, it it was very disturbing, and we did issue a very strong statement on the historicity of uh, of what she said. That she completely misinterprets, misrepresents the history. Even if one is to give her the benefit of the doubt that she intended to say what she claims she said, although that's not what came out um, about the role of the Arabs in uh, in the 1940s, when in fact. Not only did they offer safe haven for Jews, but they engaged in, in massacres, killing hundreds in violent protests against immigration, putting pressure on the British um, to to limit immigration, even after Kristallnacht, after Nuremberg Laws, after you know the situation had deteriorated. And so the assertions that she made that the, of, of what happened, you just have to point to the to the key leader, Haj al-Amin, the Mufti of Jerusalem, who, who lived in, in Berlin with a hefty salary from um, Hitler, and is reported to have been the one to come up with the idea of the final solution. He's the one who, who, who motivated and mobilized Bosnian Muslims who, who were very cruel uh, and uh, harsh uh, participants in the in the war and the efforts. So the, the idea to misrepresent and distort the history of uh, of what happened, and then the the rush to to defend, it, it doesn't uh, make the distinction uh, on these grounds. They can interpret what her intention was, and anybody can. She can and has, uh, but the um, but it would appear to me to that. Maybe they've made a decision that any time the Republicans attack somebody, they're going to rush to their defense. And uh, that there are surprising – some of the statements are very surprising. Um, now, I point – and I, I am not calling you out on this, obviously. But but my my point of mentioning that you know people like Pelosi and Steny Hoyer I – mean, I'm, I'm not going to Bernie Sanders. Nothing he says in reaction to this should surprise anybody. But we're talking about people – at least in the first group, that generally are, are responsible when it comes to Jewish history and when it comes to issues like this. That's why w- when I saw their statements, it, it was so startling and so striking. And yeah, well, it, star- it was startling and striking to us, too, and we've reached yeah. out to them and we'll be meeting with them. And uh, 
I, I, I would tell you what their motivation was if I understood it better. But I hope hopefully by next Friday I'll be able to give you a better um, understanding and that I will have a better understanding on a part of people who are really very good friends and great supporters of Israel and right. the Jewish community. And, and really lead support. I mean, they're members of Congress that, frankly, right. do what they do when it comes to Israel. Well, it's not only those who did speak out. It's, it's the silence of those who didn't. It's, right. And the fact that even till today, you don't have statements from, uh, I think, 9, 20 of the presidential candidates uh, uh, to... to um, to support Israel in the face of the rockets and the Hamas attacks, and you know, there, there's no, you know, to, there's no two sides to the story, and the failure on the part of the vast majority of them to stand up. Although the people you mentioned in Congress did issue mm-hmm. and, uh, strong statements and stand with Israel, and they vote still in support of Israel. Right. So right. it's a very complex and confusing time, and I, I understand for people that it's difficult to understand it. Well, sometimes. There just aren't easy explanations. Three points I want to make, if you will. First is, and I, and I mean, you've discussed this with us on this show a million times. Don't assume that your kids, and I mean, you know, the collective your kids out there, uh, uh, understand history. Don't make that assumption because the way she presents it, it's such an easy argument to fall into. It's such an easy thing to fall for. I should put it that way. That don't assume that your children and grandchildren know the real history. You got to sit down and tell them exactly what the problem is with her statements and what what the reality is, what the real history is of that region. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, look, we have quotes here from the former head of the National Jewish Democratic Council, from the executive director of the Jewish Democratic Council of America. Great quotes in terms of reaction to her. Very happy that you know those who identify as Democrats, especially in title, you know, are out there saying things like that. But why they have to bring in comparisons to President Trump, I think, is ridiculous. Why they just can't address address what she said on her own and not make these comparisons and bring in quotes from the president. It's so irrelevant, at least I think so. And wouldn't you advise them in that way to stay away from bringing other things into these issues and just address what she's done? It's a very highly politicized time, and we see the increasing partisanship which I find very troubling, and the the polarization is, is not diminishing, it's growing. We see the political center d- d- diminishing all the time, that this follows the model of Europe, and especially, as I've pointed out for years, the model of England, which I think is usually the precursor, as it was with the BDS movement, as it is with uh, Corbyn, and as it is with the overall political uh, shift that is taking place. That uh, you know, so Hamas yesterday came out in in gratitude to Corbyn, the head of the Labour Party, for his warm greetings, and, and I think they called it support wow. for Nakba Day, which was Wednesday, May fifteenth, the, the right. secular anniversary of the um, creation of Israel, recreation of Israel. That uh, uh, you know, this is a, it's a worldwide phenomenon, in fact. Here in America, we are seeing this, and and the it, it, I don't see that this is going to stop anytime soon. I don't see a consensus to stop it. I know people on both sides of the aisle are troubled by it, but frankly, uh, it's a um, it's a it's a very dynamic process and, and scary. Um, I, I am I am happy that that certain um, uh, certain well known individuals who have a pulpit on social media are specifically going out of their way, and I'm not even talking about those with the religious background, are specifically going out of their way at this time 
uh, in reaction to her comments to point out that the Holocaust has nothing to do with Jews being in Israel. Now, there's a history of Jews in Palestine way before that, and of course, you know, biblically, we, we have a certain uh, belief and faith in terms of our right or the Jewish people's right uh, to the land of Israel. And I think that, that, that this whole issue of Holocaust brings, um, brings state of Israel or cr- helps create state of Israel, I think the best thing we could do is say despite the Holocaust, we were able to you know bounce back as a people and create the state of Israel. And I think it's really important to separate the gift that the land of Israel is from God from you know what specific episodes in history might have had uh, in terms of that influence in uh, in creating them. I've used exactly that formulation about despite the Holocaust, not because of it, and that it is part of the delegitimization to say, well, Israel was a creation. It popped out of the ground in, in 1948 with no historical antecedents. It's why they, they work so hard in UNESCO and elsewhere to deny the Jewish uh, identity of the, our most sacred holy places and Christian identity as well. In the process, that it is uh, a deliberate campaign to take away our past in order to take away our future. Right. And to say that this was a gift from you know the UN and the US and the others, and the story keeps uh, changing about what happened in 1947-48, uh, and the the fact that we we had, if you remember, President Obama in his speech mentioned it once and then retracted it uh, later on, but it it becomes a commonplace and it does affect the political uh, standing of Israel and the. Uh, the the that's why history and something you know that I talk about all the time is so important because when you distort the history it impacts what our future will be did you have an, did you have an opportunity to view one or more of the talk shows that she went on where she was given an opportunity to clarify her comments by people who are uh, noticeably associated with our faith I did not see the uh, interviews with her I wasn't uh, in New York and near television, or but I listened to some of the discussions of it, and uh, you know it's to exculpate her. People don't want to stand up to them. Look, I, I as you know, I have a great reluctance about how much we should be right, right. promoting these names and giving them more and more visibility, and especially she who is vulnerable. But in, in this, her district. but but in this forum, I don't think it's so bad. No, no, I, I'm I, I agree. I was talking about right. in, in, overall, right. Right. you know that you have. Many members of Congress, most of them are supportive. Most of them, you know, are working hard to and diligently to come up with legislation to do positive things. And yet, the all of the the credit, all of the sunlight is being put on the, these most extreme and radical. And the, they get it associated them with the other leaders, including the presidential candidates. Uh, and this would not happen in regard to others, and it is part of the phenomenon of anti-Semitism that we see in our country. It is part of the radicalization and the partisanship, which everybody should be concerned about. It. We see extremism on the left and extremism on the right, the Islamist extremism. I mean, we have a, a cocktail uh, of of threats and, and sources that are, are which reinforce one another, even though ideologically they, they are polar opposites. I, uh, and I, I mentioned what I did because, uh, frankly, <laughs> whenever I do spend a lot of time on this issue, people say you're going against Malcolm's rule. And I said, I don't think Malcolm's rule really applies to this audience. I think in this forum, it's not a bad idea sometimes to prepare ourselves for a response to the enemy, frankly. So that's why. Well, it's also a warning. And, and the, the discussion is to, to uh, alert people that 
because people didn't vote or because they manipulated the system in, in some of these elections, that a minority, 10 percent of the people in the district elect the congresspeople who end up or because of the divided fields that uh, somebody uh, can win and uh, how important it is that people go out and vote and, and well, however they vote but make their voices heard. And education sometimes about, uh, for instance, this particular case, I think it is important that the facts about what happened, that you can't let that statement stand alone as the record of what happened in, in the mid-1940s um, when it goes against the history and the truth. Right. Um, yeah, simple as that. Uh, by the way, not to, not to get too spiritual, but just in, in, indulge me for a moment, because usually, usually we only do things like this when holidays are upcoming. But, you know, in, in our history, we have, especially when, when times are very positive, you know, both uh, in, in the Torah and Tanakh, when, especially when times are positive, there it's very often that members of our own community are the most vocal uh, when it comes to um, uh, complaining about, you know, conditions or when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to understand the other side, let's put it that way. Do you, do you sometimes get the feeling that because of Israel's position that we continue to talk about, uh, because, uh, you know, we are now making comparisons the way Israel is viewed by the rest of the world to the time of King Solomon, as we've done over the last couple of weeks uh, in this forum, do you sometimes get the idea that the stronger we get in the world perception, the stronger our enemy element from within is going to become? Well, maybe people feel more confident being critical publicly if they think that there's no immediate danger to Israel's existence mm. uh, and that uh, that unleashes the forces, and also that the more uh, successful, the more they see the, the aspirations they have for Israel, who they would like to see lead or policies they would like to see pursued, the more vocal they become. And too, too infrequently do they consider what the implications of the words are. People can be critics of Israel. They can be criticized Israel's policies, both from the right and the left they do it. Uh, but they got to think about what are the consequences of it when, you know, you're trying to win uh, public support. You don't Obviously, we put the security of Israel first and of the Jewish people and of the, you know, the causes that we care about uh, and the implications. Uh, but people have to think about uh, the consequences because once the damage is done, it's very hard to reverse it. Great analysis. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at com and the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. If you haven't joined our spring fundraiser and if you enjoy programming like this and what we do every single day, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and support us. By the way, I got to give your daily alert uh, a big shout out. (laughs) I I had been familiar with the fact that people like Mark Twain and Abraham Lincoln had a special affinity toward Jerusalem. Until I read your daily alert this week, I did not know that President Grant actually visited Jerusalem. And you've got me researching that topic now, by the way, on the side. That is true. It is not widely known. A number of people mentioned to me how um, yeah. impressed they were by that. Uh, very cool. And uh, I'm actually looking into it, which is uh, unbelievable. When you think this was way before, not just the state, but way before anybody uh, felt at all uh, anything complimentary about the land of Israel. Um, the, it looks like uh, Eurovision is, uh, is going on 
as scheduled, and the the the, the big boycott effort, which was in some ways you know pretty strong. Uh, it was not good enough to keep uh, people or countries away from it, right? It does look like this weekend is going to be filled with Eurovision activities in Israel. So the Eurovision, um, whether people like it or not, uh, is a worldwide platform. Yeah. M- countless millions of people watch it. At this, I think Saturday night is the, the finals. Right. There were semifinals during the week. Right. There were attempts, and, and you understand the significance of it, by the nature and sophistication of the attempts meant to undermine it, both before to prevent it, how the BDS campaign uh, came up with with this uh, extended effort throughout Europe to try to, to go against it and getting in, in, in people like um, Pink Floyd and uh, Roger Waters and others to, to come out against and to say they're not going to participate and um, to campaign against Madonna for participating. And people should express appreciation that she rejected uh, these um, appeals, that the um, the very sophisticated bots and things that they used on the Internet, fake websites, to campaign to get uh, the, um, Eurovision people to, to move it because it is – considered a, a public relations platform, a, a great victory for Israel's exposure worldwide, uh, uh, and the um, and the campaign that they engaged in was not successful, obviously, uh, and the, uh, the webcast was, in fact, sabotaged for a short while, but they were able to bring it back. The broadcast itself of the semifinals um, went ahead. But there were also threats of missiles or threats of other things that they tried to dissuade people uh, from coming. So while I've never watched the Eurovision, uh, I've been astounded by the broad reach and impact that it has. Um, In America, it's less so, but in Europe and elsewhere around the world, Asia, People stay up all night. They watch. They vote in the in the uh, final competition. Uh, so it's a it's very impactful. And the, the event for tomorrow night is uh, has been sold out for for a long time. And by the way, in this regard, I just want to say that today the German Parliament is scheduled to vote to declare BDS anti-Semitism, which is uh, it would be the first country to do that. And this is in the Bundestag today. And the bill is on resisting the BDS movement, and and to, to and it has the support of the uh, Social Democrats, the SPD, the Green Party, the FPD, and Merkel's uh, CDU party. And it says that um, the government has to refrain from funding or supporting any organizations or groups that uh, question Israel's right to exist. So this is really an important piece of uh, of legislation. Hopefully. We'll by uh, late today, we'll know. What do you think was going on uh, 80 years ago this week in that area of Germany? There was no votes about BDS, I can assure you that. Unbelievable. That's something to mention at the Shabbos table tonight. Unbelievable. Um, have you heard that uh, rumors are flying that the Temple Mount will be closed on Jerusalem Day, June the 2nd? Close to Jews, excuse me. Close I've to heard Jews. that the declaration that they will close it on Jerusalem Day uh, as a safety measure uh, there are a lot of people who feel that it's the it's the wrong approach, but I don't second guess when it comes to to security and saving lives. Um, we have to accept that uh, they know what they're doing. Mm, good point. Um, all right, if you if this is really the first well, I shouldn't say the first time, but I, it's been a while. I think 
since um, there's been this type of frenzy in the media about the possibility of war with Iran. Um, I don't know. You know, it's always tough these days knowing what the media in general thinks of the White House. (laughs) So it's always hard to tell whether they're just trying to escalate things and blame things on Washington or if there's a real threat. Would you say that, in fact, uh, now in the middle of May 2019, uh, it is the heightened time of escalation in terms of possibility of war with Iran? Yes, I do believe that it's a time of heightened tension and possibilities. I do not think that there will be a war. You could have skirmishes like or incidents like what we saw in uh, with the attacks against the four tankers, two Saudis, a Norwegian, and a UE tanker. Um, the explosions, which still haven't been fully explained, as well as um, the attacks by drone uh, from the Houthis in Yemen against the, the, the Saudi the pumping stations for Saudi oil, and that there are numerous other things that have been picked up. The, the are these high-speed boats that I've talked about that the Iranians have deployed in the in the Arab Gulf or Persian Gulf uh, have been reportedly been outfitted with missiles. Now they also have put uh, mines, very sophisticated mines, on islands in the Gulf that they control that they can be launched to close the Straits of Hormuz. And the threats to close the Straits uh, are all factors that are leading up to it. The Iranians, from sources inside Iran, I've learned, are moving ships from the Caspian to the Gulf and troops down towards the front in the event. But I think the president said that he doesn't want a war, and he's he's said he's not sending 120,000 troops, but he would if, if necessary. The fact that the USS Lincoln, the Abraham Lincoln, the carrier and its entire group, which is thousands of uh, fighting men and uh, all sorts of naval equipment and others that have have been sent. There are F-15s seen in the air in the Gulf these days and deterrent missions to send a message to the Iranians. And we know the only language Iran understands is strength and commitment. And the the way you avoid a war is to show them that you're prepared for one and that you're not going to step stand down in the face of the continued violations. The, the Khamenei said yesterday that they could enrich to 20% in, in four days, which means that a lot of the infrastructure is in place, and, then, and, and that they're giving 60 days notice to the United States, the world, that if they don't have a renewal of the agreement or a new deal, they are going to violate it, and they're going to go ahead with the enrichment. And then from 20% to 90%, which is weapons grade, takes half the time. And the the you know they have been very explicit in in terms of the threats, and we know that they are using their proxies. They have the Basijis, the militias, whether it's the Houthis or Hezbollah or through Hamas or through what they're doing in Iraq, and the threats against um, U.S. presence and, and forces and allies in the region. We've emptied the, our embassy in Iraq of, of non-essential. Uh, personnel. Uh, so the the presence of uh, even F-35s, the uh, stealth bombers so in the region, it says that people are taking seriously the threat that we, we want to avoid it, and they have to understand uh, that there will be and there could be very severe uh, consequences. And the, the And I think Iran was testing us, assuming that they, in fact, were behind the attacks on the on the tankers which, you know, doesn't cause immense damage and they have to be repaired, but it, it's more, it's a message that people are sending to 
to one another, and the, they are using social media, uh, both in cyber warfare against each other, but also to uh, uh, send messages, very negative messages and threatening messages uh, often. What will uh, European and U.N. reaction be if the U.S. in fact acts on those uh, threats of uh, consequences? Well, the Germans are, are scampering around trying to save the deal. The um, the Iranians are very upset with what they consider a lack of uh, responsiveness on the part of the Europeans overall to stand up against the U.S. But as we discussed many times here, when it becomes a choice and you lose access to the U.S. market or to the Iranian market, they're going to protect the, the sanctions, which increasingly are being implied and applied effect. Um, and we see that Iran still tries to do the end of drug cartels and, of course, the collapse of the economy. But the army uh, benefits, but it's Hezbollah of the United States and the, the, the very intricate America, the U.S. Uh, so there, there are so Hezbollah is complaining that they have, are losing money and other sources are cut back. These are very effective. I believe that Iran is prepared for, could sustain, uh, because of the economic consequences of the measures the United States ha- has taken uh, so far. And we've seen outlined the important steps that, that have to be taken, that the um, the concerns is about um, uh, the rocket launchers on, on the small ships about the Khamenei's uh, orders that um, have been interpreted as a threat to the U.S. military and diplomatic personnel and, and our broader interests and those of our allies, and the threat in the region. And they want to see them uh, a deal which uh, the president said would cut back their missile range, cut back their regional aggression, uh, and uh, some other steps that could help defuse the current crisis. Iran to get out of Syria? So the U.S. special um, uh, quoted as saying that they want Iran out of Syria. They don't. The Russians increasingly want also. They don't trust them and cannot abide an ongoing Iranian presence that enables them to really border to the Golan. We know they repeated attempts to to both as well as to develop means to be able to penetrate the border, which Israel's discovered and destroyed or the use of uh, beachheads, which uh, Israel has uh, discovered uh, for now, but it will keep coming back. So the deal, they want Iran out. And there are growing tensions between them saying that uh, the Syrian attacks on Idlib are undermining its posture there. They are complaining about, don't like what either Turkey or or Syria or, or a very complicated and complex situation, uh, and not necessarily. If, if in fact, I don't know, there's an escalation or what some in the media acts to some of the things you described that Iran is doing, what does that do to, to the Hamas? Not, not the PA, I guess, but certainly with the terrorist groups. Will will it alter relation with Iran by the U.S.? I don't know, deter Hamas from sending. It could go both ways. One is that without the support and financial Iran wanting another front to heat it up, to divert attention, people believe experts who have, and, and analysts have said that they've sent attention away from Syria and give them a freer hand there. It can go both ways for the same provocations that the uh, what what the response will be. One is the cutback in funding, and that therefore Hezbollah in particular more public in terms of trying to raise funds to continue their operations. And on the other hand, the and, and Hamas and Hezbollah too, but on the other hand, they may be goaded into greater actions by Iran, who's 
their internal economy is suffering greatly. The, um, the dissension amongst the populace is becoming more and more clear, and I've reported on this for many for a long time, more than a year, two years, about how this has been a cumulative process uh, as the economic impact, and that this year inflation could hit 60 percent again, and the growth the economy has a negative growth rate of 7 percent. That the the um, they are very concerned about both the domestic uh, situation as well as how they sustain their presence, their foothold in the countries they consider vital to them, as part of the Shiite Crescent, meaning Lebanon, Syria, uh, Iraq, and uh, uh, of course Iran and Yemen, and we see it play out this week very severely in in Iraq with the forces and in, in the Iraqi government taking different postures. The besiege is very strong there. The Iranians claim that 6,000 Iraqis a day seek visas to Iran. But we know that the uh, Iranians are moving Iraqi Shiites, Afghanis, Pakistanis into Syria, that they have uh, this presence to protect their interests in uh, in Iraq, which is really vital in their broader regional aspiration. Um, is there a... Um... Just lost my train of thought. Um your locomotive so yeah, I, 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 I literally I literally had such a great question and it just flew right out of my head um the um give me a second because we were talking about the uh the influence oh yeah is there anybody funding the opposition in Iran or if there was you couldn't tell us this publicly anyway well, I think, first of all, it, it, we have to give the people credit that they are the ones rising up in indignation about what's happening because they're the ones suffering under what's happening. They don't want a war. They they made that clear in the demonstrations that took place. Uh, I wish that uh, outside parties would be doing more. Including financially. With broadcast. Including financially. Pardon me? Including financially. Including financially to, to support uh, right. the people inside the country. And they often complain that they don't feel that they get even moral support and public support uh, for what they do and that the agencies, the broadcast agencies and others that could be more effective if in in uh, getting the message out, showing support to the people. And they're right, and I'm sure you agree with them. I do. Uh, we should point out, finally, that it is a one-year anniversary of the embassy move, and it doesn't seem like the enemy really escalated things one way or the other because of that specific move. They they, they attacked Israel when they wanted to, the, the, despite the fact that the embassy was moved. And I don't think you could say it was because the embassy was moved for everybody who predicted doom uh, after that uh, after that gesture by the president of the United States. Also, um, the um, the uh, I'm total I'm totally losing it this morning. Uh, <laughs> you have to stop drinking for the morning. <laughs> you can, you can say that again. Um, all right, so the embassy anniversary. Oh yeah, and the and the and it's good. I think it's good to see that the U.S. envoy, who is you know in charge of it seems, or certainly will deliver and be at the forefront of this peace proposal, whatever it is, is at least giving indication and and stating more than once that without two sides cooperating in a peace process, it's impossible to move forward. I think, that, I think that's a good way to lay the foundation for whatever it is that they're going to be proposing coming up. And I think he's been even more targeted in his criticism, uh, Jason, and I think very uh, outspoken and, and courageous in, in his uh, declarations about 
um, the PA's efforts in sabotaging uh, the, the, without even knowing, and nobody that I know knows uh, aside from the small group, and they've done an effective job of, of containing any leaks, and it's likely now they say after Shavuot, after June 9th, that, that the, whether we'll get the whole thing or we'll get parts of it, uh, how they're going to introduce it, and people should withhold judgment until they, till they see the whole package. Um, and, and there's obviously a lot of speculation and leaks, which they deny, and some which obviously which may. at it and he does not want to negotiate. Gaza to go to treatment anymore in Israel. 50,000. A minister and a leader, in the, and a longtime leader of the Palestinian Authority, who spent 17 years in jail for terrorist-related <laughs> activities, he took suggest that he went to Ikhalab Hospital. So it's all right for him, but for the poor people who, who want to get treatment for their children and stuff, it was not. And this is the, why you have this tremendous reaction against the corruption and the, the distortion of the PA, that all those who, who espouse the BDS and start taking up the, the banner, you know, people can be sympathetic to the, to the condition of the Palestinians, but look at who's responsible. It's their leadership. It's the PA that's responsible, that won't stop funding the terrorists so that the funds that have been cut off that are denied to their people, they live their lives normally. They don't deprive anything of themselves, but continue this and the, and the, the you know the distortions in the media and the press about uh, especially about that story of the woman and her child who were killed when you know people feel uncomfortable when we we uh, sometimes criticize the press. Look at this blatant case where they finally admitted Palestinian Islamic Jihad admitted that they had killed her with an errant bomb a missile of their own and offered her compensation and stuff. And yet that hardly makes any, gets any mention or notice 
in in uh, in the press, whereas the you know they trumpeted the um, the original story. Yep. So it's. Uh, you know, it's an important lesson for everybody. Appreciate your time. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And go Israel. Maybe they'll win Eurovision for the second year in a row. Who knows? <laughs> but you saw the Shalva band got yeah. tremendous uh, response. Amazing. In, in performance there. Amazing. What a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And by the way, because we had listeners who pointed out some of the bad elements of Eurovision, we, we, and I, which I understand, whether it be modesty or Shabbat, etc., mm-hmm. we, we, we have to also concentrate on the good things that are coming out of this, so thank you. All right, Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak to you next week. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.